We're back. We're live again, everybody. Uh, happy Sunday. I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, my next guest is someone I've been really looking forward to uh, having a conversation with. When I had this podcast in mind, you know, one of the first folks that came to mind is this gentleman. He is in his 19th season as the in arena MC and TV personality for the NBA champion, Golden State Warriors. Uh, he is known as the Warriors hype man at the Oracle Arena, now Chase, uh, where he performs live in front of over 20,000 fans every single night. I don't know how he does it, and that's what I'm going to find out today. He is also um, a segment host on Cron4. Uh, he freelances at as an MC and host for the San Francisco Giants. He's Bay all the way. He's been doing that for 11 seasons. Um, he's worked at CBS, Comcast Sportsnet, the Oakland Raiders, Radio Disney, and he is also a professional auctioneer. Another really, really cool, uh, 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 I don't know if it's a side hustle, full hustle, but this gentleman right here is definitely a real city ambassador. Can I hear a whoop, whoop? <laughs> oh, yeah. We have Franco <laughs> Finn, mi gente. <laughs> How you doing? What's up? What's up? Hey, man. Uh, happy uh, holidays to you and everybody out there. Hey, man, this is a crazy time, but I know that uh, we're a resilient city, resilient people. And uh, you know what? We're going to get through this. So positivity all the way, man, as, as we roll into the new year. Yeah, man. And, and, and you're known for that being that persona of positivity of great energy and you know and i want to get into it but first i want to talk about who you are because we all see you on tv and we hear of you and we see you on youtube um but i want to know you know like your beginnings are you from the bay where are you from where you be yeah uh, yes, tell me yes. a little bit about uh yourself franco all right. Well, you know what? Uh, I'm born and raised in this beautiful city by the Bay, San Francisco. I'm a true native of the that city. Way. Yeah, true native. I grew up in the Mission Excelsior area. Yeah. Uh, yeah, back back in the day, St. Luke's Hospital, shout out. It's no longer yeah. around, but man, a lot a lot of folks, a lot of Filipinos, Latinos, a lot of a lot of a lot of folks that came into, you know, to the Bay Area as immigrants and whatnot. That was, you know, that that hospital actually birthed a lot of people in that area. And so I'm very proud to be one of the, you know, the the the, the many that came out right of Luke's hospital. Because let me tell you, it's <laughs> legendary. It's it's a legendary place. It's different now, but let yeah. me tell you, right there in the heart of the mission, Excelsior yeah. area, everybody was born there. If you're from that area. You know, nine times out of ten, out of that place, and uh, it's it's a really awesome, uh, you know, just kind of starting that history here. And, and uh, you know, I had one of the very first Filipino doctors uh, ever, and this back in the seventies, man. You know, she was Doctor Escobar. Shout out to her; she's no longer alive, but she birthed so many people out of that uh, hospital in, in the city. So, little shout out there. Uh, but yeah, Mission Excelsior grew up there most of my life, and then uh, maybe around twelve. 13 moved out to the sunset area. So never left uh, San Francisco. And so I'm proud of it. What, what elementary school did you go to? So I went through uh, very different types of elementary schools. I mean, my, my parents, so my mom, when she came down here, I was the only child, number one. Mm -hmm. So of course you got to put all the eggs in one basket. So uh -huh. uh, my, my, my family sent me to a private bilingual French school. So I learned French and English since I was five. And it's a school called French American International School. And so I was pretty much the only Filipino American there. And it was like the United Colors of Benetton, man. We had every, like one of each ethnicity from around the world, it felt like. Small class, 22 kids. And uh, yeah, lived in France, uh, did all that fun stuff. Actually, was one of the very first set of students to get out to uh, Europe. I actually lived in Europe for a couple of years on and off as an exchange student. So I really got this really unique perspective on mm. cultures, people, um, you know, everything since five. So I went to this school. Yep. Mm. I saw their French American international school. I didn't go all the way through high school. I went to a uh, sacred heart cathedral. After oh. that. So kept it in the private school thing, but, uh, you yeah. know, my, my parents wanted me to do a, uh, you know, you know, like you want to get my Catholic education on. And my dad went there, my uncle, so Sacred Heart, 
Yep, Sacred Heart Cathedral Prep in San Francisco right there, fighting wow. Irish. Wow. Uh, and really, that's where I kind of learned a lot of where I, I give back. You know, our motto there mm-hmm. was enter to learn, leave to serve. I mean, that was right up at the top of our school. Enter to learn, leave to serve. So as a very young age, I always thought about giving back. Even way back then, we used to volunteer at St. Anthony's Dining Room. We used to help with the Red Cross, the blood drives. All that kind of stuff was instilled at me at a young age. And then from there... Went mm-hmm. to Santa Clara University for college and went to the, you know, kept it local. Yeah. I'm wow. a Bay Area guy. That's why wow. I'm a Bay Area teams, baby. I got you do, I know. I was I was wondering, I was like, I don't know. Is he is he San Francisco Niners? Is he Raiders? Cause I see him like I see you everywhere. But I didn't realize you were born and raised in San Francisco. Yeah. But I spent um, a lot of time in Oakland. I spent a lot of time in Oakland though. So me too, actually. Funny thing. Yeah. I, I was born and raised most of the time here, but I also lived in Oakland. But you said yeah. you lived in France for a bit. You did it like yeah. an exchange program. At what age? So I was in fifth grade when I first went to France. Uh, with Where my, in France? Right at Paris, right there. Uh-huh. I went to school there, learned it. It, it was awesome. I got to tell you, I have one of the most fondest memories there. I was the only one out of my family that really did kind of this weird exchange program. But, you know, imagine going to France as a kid without your parents in fifth grade. And then I went you know, a couple more times in middle school, but I stayed with the family half the year. And then that same kid stayed with my family half the year. So we learned French and English. We were so, uh, we were tight as a class. We were, you know, I wish I could kept, kept in touch with those people in France. I, one day I'm going to find them. I'm going to find them. I'm going to track them down. Who knows where they are now? What but, was the name of your family? Um, there was the, there was a couple uh-huh. I forgot the last names, but all I remember, man, I'm uh-huh. telling you, one of the families owned the bakery and oh. yeah, they lived upstairs. You could imagine, come on now, mm-hmm. greater, you know, I'm going downstairs. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> man. So that house was moving. There was a bakery. It was at a bakery downstairs. Yeah. Bakery downstairs. So our jobs is funny. Oh. It's like, we could take anything we want, but as long as we made sure the next morning, the display case looked full and ready to open up in the morning, then we're all good. But man, we were at middle of the night grabbing this. We're like, oh, we gotta refill this. But man, those are some of the fondest memories. I mean, going to school in France. That's amazing. Man, I tell you, I, I never would imagine um, you know, that in my life, but it really helped shape kind of everything that I do. What uh, was the culture shock like? Or was there, or you were just another kid? Well, it was a culture shock in a way, but but in but I, I've been I've been learning the, the kind of the French and European culture since five. So yeah. so basically, I'm gonna break it down. So when I was in home, you know, growing up in the Mission Excelsior, so my family is you know they immigrated here in the '70s. So mm-hmm. I learned Tagalog, which is the Philippine dialect. So mm-hmm. I was talking to my aunties, uncles, everybody in Tagalog, and then mm-hmm. English were the two first languages at home. Yeah. And then I got formal education. And then it was French and English, and then I took some Spanish along the way. I even took some German in between. So I had like almost five languages by the time I was like 10 years old for a minute. Uh, wow. It was really overwhelming, but that really helped shape kind of my worldview of everything. And just, uh, you know, we're, 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 the world is big, but it's very small. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that's one thing about me is, is I, you know, I really try to break it down and like everybody is a human being that can contribute something different culturally, this and that. And I, I at a lo- young age, I really just got to accept diversity, cultures, different things and had an open mind. And that really shaped me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, so then you went to Santa Clara University. Yes. Uh, you stayed in the Bay. And how did I did? I'm not going to lie. I went online and I heard about how you first got into the warrior circle. But yeah. before that, you were a fan already, weren't you? Yes. And you your family. Yes. And that, that that's the, you know, the true story is, so my mom, when she immigrated here in the seventies, you know, I was the only child born here. Her, her entree to American culture was basketball. So mm. she imagine watching the warriors back in 74, 75 when Rick Barry and those folks were, uh, Winning the cha- that first championship for for the Warriors came at a right time years ago. How crazy, right? Yeah. But she saw that on TV, and then wow. you know I don't remember that stuff. I was born in you know late seventies, but when I went to uh, basically when I was a kid, my mom was watching um, basketball. There you go. You got my, <laughs> my favorite photo. Yeah. This is, this is priceless, by the way. Oh yeah, you see, look at that. That should be on my promos for the hype man. You want to be a hype man? Take a look at this kid. Did you Start ever think- young, you know, if you don't have a picture like this, you can't be a hype man for the Warriors 20 years down the line. 
I know. I should. You know what? I've never used this image as a promo for anything, but you know what? There are kids that look like me and sound mm -hmm. like me, whatever. If they ever want to work for an NBA team one day, this kid right there is fulfilling the dream. And I hope many kids can say, I could be a hype man or MC for my favorite team, you know? But that's when I first started loving basketball. I think I might be about 10 right there. But uh, during the run TMC days, I'm telling you. So I used to watch basketball with my mom or I'd go to sleep. It's like either or. Aww. I was like, well, I'm not going to go to sleep, so I'm going to watch <laughs> basketball with mom. <laughs> Your mama would love basketball that much. That's crazy. That's oh, she cool. watches every game to this day. And so, you know, my love for the game is really coming from her. And so that's how awesome. Um, just, just looking back 40 plus years ago, she saw the first NBA championship for the Warriors. And then she sees her son 40 years later win an NBA championship with the favorite team. Crazy, man. man. Full circle. She must be so proud. But were you always uh, an extroverted kind of person growing up? Was that something in your nature already? No. See, that's the funny thing. So, you oh, know, what? Right. You know, as kids, you know, that's why I say, you know what? You just you just got to unlock the full potential. If you're a kid, mm -hmm. you got to try new things, this and that. And, hey, believe it or not, I was not, not a shy person. But, hey, I'm an only child. I had to you know, go to school. I didn't have brothers, sisters, and cousins or anything in my school. So I had to really make friends. And so at the young age, I was, you know, talking it up in the lunch yard and the, just say, Hey, I'll trade you this for this or whatever. Uh -huh. And I made conversation, but I was kind of reserved. If you see some of my older videos as a, as a kid, you know, I didn't want to perform per se, but Hey, my, my, my parents knew I spoke French they, you know, I did all a bunch of, you know, poetry and all this stuff. They said, okay, this kid has a little bit of, you know, artistic talent. Let's, yeah. let's see what he can do. I played the piano, did that kind of stuff, but never was like mm. an extrovert from the get-go. It really mm -hmm. took until I think high school that I really unlocked my potential, joined student. What happened? Level. Okay. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, student government, number one, I give, you know, a, a lot of props to because, hey, you got to make a speech in front of your peers that is not easy as a young kid to make a and in high school, yeah. And in high school, because you know, in high school, everyone's like, everyone's gonna look at me, they're gonna judge me, they're gonna do and you gotta impress the girls. And exactly. <laughs> but dude, let me tell you, I I learned the craft and mm. I said, Hey, you gotta just take it by the horn. You're gonna be nervous, you're gonna feel all the butterflies, but that's when you push yourself. That's when you know you can get to that next level and say, Hey, it wasn't so bad. So that confidence really boosted at me. You know, I, I was four years in the student council. I was student body president for one, uh, for, for sophomore year, at least. Wow, uh, and just kind of learn the art of like being with people, talking to people, listening to people, being a voice uh, for the people. Uh -huh. And I'll add this, this is truly my first hype man, like public speaking job. My dad signed me up uh, at 13 at St. Anne's church. Uh, in the sunset to be the youngest lecturer at 13. So I was reading like scriptures and things when I, I, I was barely, you know, I wasn't even an adult, but I was the youngest one every Sunday and everybody loved uh, my voice, how I presented it. And, you know, I had older people come up and say, man, Franco, you are the best lector. I'm like, I'm only 13. Uh, <laughs> I think I got a gift here. Yeah, yeah. And this was St. Anthony's? St. Anne's. St. Anne's in the sunset. Oh, oh St. Anne's. Okay, Anne's okay. Sunset. Yeah. But, but then I started doing readings for other things and just started doing public speaking. So I, it really started from the church, man. And, and, you know, I never really thought about it, but it really helped shape kind of who I am. Yep. That, that big this thing right here. Right there. This this is everybody. This is where Franco Finn learned his craft. Right there, and then I just moved on from there to there, and started doing more little kind of readings for you know my aunt's church and this and that. But started there and uh, pretty much opened up a Pandora's box that I can read in front of the public and I can be a public speaker, mm -hmm. and all that just came together, the confidence and everything. And so you know, kids. Get out of your shell. You know, if the teacher asks you, raise your hand. Who wants to read this thing? Nobody raises their hand. Well, uh -huh. it was awkward. I said, I'll raise my hand. Nobody else wants to. So I started just volunteering to read just little excerpts. Mm -hmm. And then I just made sure that every time I read, it was as bold. It came to a lie. It was mm -hmm. crisp. And it was anything. It, I don't matter what it was. I took that paragraph and I brought it to life. And that's what I do 
every day as a hype man, an MC, an auctioneer, as a public personality. Um, that 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 was the training, the, the, the valuable training that, that I got as a kid. And then in Santa Clara, were you involved in other ways uh, or uh, did you begin to explore careers or was there, what happened? Well, yeah. So Santa Clara was a great experience because, you know, as you start developing a little bit more confidence, try to figure out who you are. Mm -hmm. That's when I really, I think, emerged and said, hey, I could be a performer, like a talent. Because, Mm -hmm. hey, man, I went to Santa Clara, majored in, uh, started off as an engineer and I was good at math and science. Boy, that didn't last long, man. <laughs> you were up against some other. <laughs> oh man, I mean that's this school is you know powerhouse for years and blah blah blah. And I was good at math and science, but this was a whole another level. But I saw a communication studio, very small mm-hmm. department at the time, and I was like, wait a minute, I could work behind the scenes and be on and do TV and news and editing and production. So I majored in TV production, not knowing that it was going to open up this whole door. But let me just tell you, I started getting involved with my clubs there. I was part of this uh, Filipino club called Barcada. And uh, they what used does to- that mean? Barcada, Barcada in, in, in Tagalog is like your it's like your group, like your your uh, your posse, if you will. Your hey. Barcada, you know, that's my <laughs> my homies, you know, uh-huh. in, in Tagalog. So Barcada is kind of like it's it's the it's Tagalog for basically like my my group, my group of friends. Mm-hmm. And so you know, we were minorities, didn't have a lot of folks. That looked like me and this and that. So, our, you know, we had little clubs and whatnot. I joined it and I started performing, doing dancing, um, you know, acting, little skits in front of like the whole student body, these cultural nights. Yeah. Man, I, I auditioned to become like one of the lead roles, was a star my freshman year. And they said, man, you, you really have a knack for acting and performing in front of audiences. And I was like, and then I slowly took the mic. And you just never know, like at that mm-hmm. time, man, I was just enjoying what I was doing, finding my culture, my roots, um, hanging out with friends that looked like me, had similarities like me. Because I grew up in a dorm there at Santa Clara that was called the Unity House. It was diverse. We got some celebrities that came out of there, though, I'm telling you, man. Can you uh, drop a few names? Oh, yeah. Well, if you remember, about, if some of you who are old enough to remember, there was uh-huh. a girl who she was in that freestyle music. Her name was Angelina. If you look her up, she was just the one name. She was out of San Jose. She was a freestyle artist during like the 90s. And she had some some songs like Release Me and some other ones, but she was a Bay Area guy. She lived in my dorm. She had to go leave because she was traveling a lot. But um, my other claim to fame, two of them now. So uh, Angelina? uh, So Angelina, yeah, that's her right there. Angelina, freestyle queen back in the day. San Jose, baby. No way. Yeah, man. (laughs) She I think I got to interview her then too. Dude, she is, I mean, I don't know where she is now. She might uh-huh. be, I think I heard it might be in Texas, this and that. But Angelina uh-huh. had like two hits on the radio in the Bay Area. And she she traveled the world doing stuff. And she was down the down the hall for me. And right. And then there was another guy. And she was still living down the hall, is what you're saying? Yeah, she was going to school and be, becoming a, a recording artist at the same time. And I was like, this is crazy. I mean, she was really nice and everything. And uh-huh. so she was, uh, she, she left early, you know, a couple of years after, but yeah. if you look up Lloyd Pierce, he's the right. head coach for the Atlanta Hawks. He lived down the door from me too. And, uh, and he's good buddies with the great Steve Nash. Yes. So, uh-huh. so we, had, we had some, some people in the nineties, man, that came up, uh, Lloyd Pierce, obviously, uh, he's the Atlanta Hawks head coach right now. And then you got, yeah, there's my boy right there. He, man, down the street for me. He's a San Jose product too. Your boy went to high school in San Jose. What? And he played basketball at Santa Clara. Wow. One of his best friends is Steve Nash. So Steve Nash was a senior when I was a freshman. So you, everybody knows who Steve Nash yeah, is. Yeah, right? get out. MVP, all, uh, Hall of Famer, all-star. Now they're both head coaches in the NBA. We're the only school that uh-huh. has two NBA head coaches from one college, Steve Nash uh, and Lloyd Pierce. True that's fact. incredible. How crazy is that, right? That's crazy. And, yeah. and I didn't. Even, I mean, I, um, you know, I'm I'm not in the know as you are, but I mean, these are folks I definitely would love to even talk with and just get to know kind of their background, like yours. Like, what led you to be where you are now? Yeah. Um, you know, and I know I I heard the story of how you were just put on the spot. You said. They said, Franco, can you cover this? Uh, I don't know what it was, a segment or. Uh, oh, you're so- talking about the Warriors? How I yeah, got the Warriors? Yeah, like. Concert. It was a concert oh. for 
uh, I was working at Radio Disney. So my first job out of college was I was in radio, right? I, wow. I majored in TV and I wanted production and all that. But I was like, you know what? Disney's starting up a radio station for kids. I remember. I remember. I'm like, what? <laughs> what a concept, right? I'm I like, it's got to be unique. I'm like, Radio uh -huh. Disney, straight pop music, pop yeah. factory. I mean, nobody touched NSYNC and Backstreet and Britney and Christina Aguilera and all these artists back then until now. Now they're all cool and everything. But you know what? We were the only pop station other than maybe another st station that kind of played their music. But let me tell you, I was emceeing concerts for NSYNC, Backstreet, Christina Aguilera, Britney Spears, Jessica Simpson, Aaron Carter, Lil Romeo, Miley Cyrus, Jonas, and the list goes on and on. But <laughs> the breakthrough moment, the uh -huh. breakthrough moment. Do you remember who Hillary Duff was? Lizzie McGuire? Yeah. Well, yeah. Back in the day, she was the it girl, right? She was the top of her game. Disney creates these products these machines so she was a pop star singer uh, uh actress man hillary duff that lady right there she had her first concert in oakland mm. and she had no opening act we were the only radio station sponsoring it they said franco you're gonna be on the air get up there hype it up i interviewed her too in my studio right before that and uh she, you know people know her but you have to be a Disney fan to know her, know her. But mm -hmm. let me tell you, it was a sold out crowd in Oakland. No How many people. Yeah. How many like people? 20,000 plus, man. It was like ripping it with the seams. It had parents, kids, glow sticks packed everywhere, man. It was like, dude, those pop concerts back in the day were at a different decibel level, man. It was the loudest, high piercing, Energized <laughs> concerts that you will ever ever imagine. Imagine InSync and Backstreet and all these artists at the heyday. Dude, I, I, I was I was a fan at the heyday for sure. <laughs> right? Well, it was a it was a machine, right? It was pop music for like a good decade. And let me just tell you, uh, that opening act, which was me, to open up for Hillary Duff, I had 15 minutes to hype up a crowd. 15 minutes. Talk That's about a lot of time. That's a lot of time. Exactly. So you got to come up with crowd response. You know, I was like, every area code, who's here for <laughs> 408? Make some noise. <laughs> 707, I hear uh -huh. you. Uh -huh. Four, one, five. Put your hands up. I mean, dude, I stretched uh -huh. like no tomorrow. And it was crazy, crazy. Um, but let me tell you, that 15 minutes, hyping up a crowd, I was out of breath. Man, the Warriors execs were backstage with their kids, handing me a business oh. card. They said, man, you have some energy. Uh huh. Here's my card. We have a, a position called a, a kind of an MC, an in arena MC, that's going to rove around, do some timeouts, breaks, Warriors TV thing, whatever. Are you open for this? I said, I'll audition, sure. I'm like, this is my team. And I auditioned maybe a handful of people there. And preseason, they tried a bunch of us out during games. Oh, wow. And then next thing you know, they said, hey, we want you to be our uh, in-arena MC for the season. Can, wow. you commit, can you commit to 41 home games? And I'm like, man, that's a lot. Uh, <laughs> you know. And at the same time, I kid you not, I had an offer. Uh, I auditioned for the Harlem Globetrotters to be their traveling MC. And I had a contract with the Globetrotters to travel oh, the world. Uh-huh. For a year, and then I had the Warriors, 41 home games, staying at home. I was like, mm, damn. How old were you? How old were you? I was, man, I was, I was young. I was only 25 at the time, you know. Young, I was a young, uh, eager MC, hype man, you know, kind of, uh, you know, radio personality, budding personality that was just starting to get my legs and my energy was my was my product, man. Like I was, to, I'd compete with all the major radio stations at concerts. I'd get up on the vans. I'd be playing Aaron Carter, man. Like uh -huh. what is Aaron Carter, man? I'm playing, <laughs> I'm playing. I want candy, and I'm standing on top of the van at a concert before a big major concert. I'm out, literally out, out, out hyping the major stations out there in the parking lot. And I'm throwing candy. I'm like, who wants candy? I want, and it was like crowd response. Man, I wish I had videos of those moments. What do you, like, um, what happens? You get in, a, in a, a zone, do you prep yourself to be in the zone? 
what happens for you to be able to respond to thousands of people looking at yes. you? It is pure adrenaline. I tell you. Yeah. It, well, yes. A part of it is you, you, you kind of, you got to really dig down deep. You mm. know, you have one job, you got to turn it on for X amount of time. Mm. And so you can't just be a talking head and blah, 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 blah. You got to put your voice, your all into it, your soul. You're going to mm. go, ah, oh, you ready. You got to really just kind of rev it up. And so I kind of perfected my craft, you know, versus like, are you ready? Hey, nobody wants to hear that. Yeah. You be like yeah. on top of it, you got to own it. So it comes yeah. from within. I mean, I got, mm. I get butterflies, tingles. I'm almost half passed out because I put everything into it. I said, you know, are you ready? And then, and people are just like, this guy's got some energy. Just, <laughs> but that's how I became a hype man. And then all of a sudden the warriors were like, okay, you're good at hosting. You're good on camera. Uh-huh. You want to start, you want to try this starting lineup? Let me see how you read. Let's introduce this lineup. This was back in, you know, yeah. maybe, maybe two years into the Warriors, right? Franco right there. There you go. That's the retro yeah. jersey and everything. That's pretty much, yeah. That, that was, I was probably in my late 20s right there. Uh -huh. and that one right there, let me tell you, they started giving me more and more. They said, you got a good voice for a starting lineup. You got that, mm -hmm. that uh, you know, and now you're NBA <laughs> champion, Golden State uh, Warriors. They're like, dude, wow. Uh, you're going to do the starting lineup. <laughs> and so the PA announcer was like, what? I usually do all of that. And I was like, I'm sorry. They told me to. They told me to hype up the team. You could do, uh -huh. the, you could do the visiting team, but I got to start up the games. Dang. The rest was history. Almost 20 years later, here we are. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is a good this is a good photo. Maybe two years ago, year ago. This was, yeah, that was definitely Oracle. I don't know. That looks like strength and numbers. Years ago? That was that, that was only a few years ago, mm -hmm. right there. That that was amazing. Um, you know, and, and and the other thing, it's 19 years. You've been in this profession for 19 years with the Warriors. How do you how do you like, do you re how do you reinvent yourself? How do you keep yourself so dedicated? Cause not a lot of people, especially nowadays can keep a job for more than like three, four years. Man, you nailed it. That is how this do you the longest job I ever had. I mean, come on. Nobody yeah. really stays at a job for, you know, 10, 15, I'm almost 20 years anymore, man. And it, I'm it's crazy. It, it, you know, it really is comes down to, it's a labor of love. It's a passion. Like mm. I love my dubs, man. Like, when I'm out there, you see 100% real Franco fit. And you know mm -hmm. what? Some people may like it. And some people may not like the energy. You know, there's the, there's the basketball people are like, well, I just want to watch the game. Why do I need to do the fit? No. Hey, some people have their uh, own experiences. Some people just are diehard hoopsters that just want to see the game. But I'm there for the, the next generation too. I'm there for the fans that want the energy. When you need yeah. that fourth quarter over the top, our team is down by two points. We need the crowd to be in it. People don't realize it's not just hyping up a crowd. It's hyping up the crowd at the right time. Mm. Fourth quarter, there's been so many moments when we're down and the players, our players need that extra boost. Once we get out right before a timeout break or right after one, they say, Franco, hype man, it's hype man time. It's like my alter ego. Got the hype man glasses on, put it down. Uh -huh. stand one of the stands, I go, it's that time. It's our time. <laughs> Get up on your feet and make some. <laughs> but that's the thing. They need that start. And that little energy boost gets the players pumped. They get them pumped, you know? And uh, it's been amazing, man. I, mean, I got to see young Steph Curry right there. There it is. Look at him all, all sweet and innocent. <laughs> we were little babies back then. Yeah, man. yeah. We were little babies. But let me tell you, it was, uh, you know, I, he's one of the best guys to be the ambassador, not only for the Warriors, but also for the NBA. Uh, he works hard. He practices hard. Uh, great example for the kids. His fa family man. I mean, this. I, I knew it from the get-go, man, that this mm -hmm. kid was going to be um, something else. He's going to change the game, and he, he did. sure did. Yeah. Um, let's uh, backtrack. You've been with the Warriors through thick and very thin moments, especially most of them have been thin prior to, let's say, five, six years ago. Um, I, as a 
you know, as a Bay Area, San Francisco native, I got to ask you about this gentleman right here. You're seeing me type right here. Okay. Hold on. Give me a second. Thunder. Oh, the thunder. Yeah. The thunder. Good moments. Good. Mo what can you tell me about the thunder? Well, Thunder was, I mean, I thought we had the coolest mascot. I'll be honest with you. I mean, yeah. nobody had muscles like that. Right. Everything exactly. was right. Everyone had like, they were like pudgy, furry, fuzzy. They looked like cartoons. Now, Thunder had muscles. Uh huh. He was aerodynamic. He could fly. He was a superhero, I man. Perform. And honestly, uh, man, I miss having Thunder as our mascot but you know what happened was the oklahoma city thunder became the new team and so you know he was retired the story goes thunder was in uh was left in china because we went to china right before all that uh before the thunder came about and uh just decided to stay <laughs> that's the story you know? thunders in china we speak um man bless him you know and like his, the memory as a child is, is is with thunder so that's dope i didn't yeah. know that i didn't know that the yeah. thunders came to steal our thunder well, that's that's pretty much it and it was time i guess you know that was an older era of warriors yeah. basketball now it's retro we look back and say man remember we had a mascot we haven't had one since look the lakers have never had a mascot mm. you know their 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 main signature were the laker girls and of course the all the hollywood people around mm -hmm. of so, course so the Warriors kind of became the new Hollywood of, of NBA royalty for a minute. You know, we had folks like Snoop Dogg stop by, Owen Wilson. We had, you know, Jessica Alba. Dude, I was there for all. Two Chains comes by Prince before he died. He showed up. You know, Jay-Z, Beyonce. You know, we got Guy Fieri from the Food Network and E-40 up in there. Like, yeah, that is a beautiful medley of talent and celebrities so we didn't need like a mascot anymore. You know, mm. I kind of became the unofficial, like kind of the, you know, not a mascot, but more of like <laughs> a voice and hype kind of guy. Oh, yeah. But nothing like, you know, we didn't have any visuals like that anymore. We have our hoop troop guys that, you know, give out the pizzas and the shirts and all that. But look, we had people courtside every day. I mean, it was five years of literally mayhem, Hollywood coming to the Bay. It was insane. And what was this moment like for you? Oh, man. After that, winning the first championship. That was amazing. Let me Can tell you. Can you tell us that story? So, yeah. So, my mom right there, you know, she's uh, she's in a wheelchair. She's been in a wheelchair for 20, you know, almost 25 years. So, oh, that's man. another reason why I never left the Bay is because, mm -hmm. I, you know, uh, my mom and I are super close. She, she's literally my number one fan. I'm the only child. And, uh, I, you know, that was a proud moment when, when we won our first – championship in 40 years she wow. witnessed it 40 years ago before even i was even born to now where for literally 40 years to the date 2015 her son and the yeah. warriors win an nba championship so so that photo that i show right there was this my mom at the game in the finals she got to see pretty much history 40 years ago and 40 years later and so that was a proud moment for me being, you know, son of an immigrant. She created a future and a life for me here in the States. And I just took it, ran with it and made my mom proud. That, that was a proud moment for me. Yeah. Yeah. You know? and, and I, imagine um, who's your mom who are from the 2015, 2016, who was your mom's favorite player? I mean, back in the day, I mean, goodness, there, I mean, there was just, there were, there was just so many people though, but yeah, she, she, her and I loved, uh, Steph, right from the get go. Uh -huh. Also, she was a big Clay fan as well. You know, we've we, she got to meet Clay and also Steph over the years and stuff. And she just, you know, she was like say, "Oh, they're so guapo." You know, what's going on? Yeah, yeah. You know, oh, they're such nice kids and all that. And so it was, it was pretty awesome having my mom meet them. And uh, but she's a fan of all of them. I mean, she's watched Warrior basketball, like I said, forty five years now. And she's seen every player knows who they are, watches pregame, game, and postgame. And I'll tell you a story. Not a lot of people know wow. about this. But you know those white sunglasses there that became kind of my signature for, yeah. for many years, oh, especially in Oracle. Yeah. 
Uh-huh. Um, people were like, oh, is it a gimmick? Is it a shtick? You know what? To be honest with you, that's how the hype man was born. So I used to wear these white sunglasses because I wanted something that popped on camera, number one. Mm. And so my mom, who's wheelchair bound, has been at home, you know, watching most games from home. She'll go to Oracle here and there uh, when I take her and stuff, I have someone to watch mm. her. But uh, mm. she would look for me during the pregame and broadcast uh, because I'm walking around the court. Right. Uh, you know, when, you know, Fitz and, 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 you know, JB are doing their broadcast, I'm literally doing like pregame stuff as I'm walking by a TVs. Uh-huh. So it was kind of that thing where my mom could find me and look for me. So she would look for white glasses on TV and it was right on top of my head. So she couldn't miss me and I'm on the court. So she would find me, but it was my, my little kind of wink, wink to her and say, Hey mom, I know you're watching mm. sunglasses. Hope you can find me. So it was a little game. Right. Oh. And, um, you know, lo and behold, when they first told me, they said, Franco, we're down several points. We need a hype man, energy, get people on their feet. Let's go. I was like, uh, uh, put the sunglasses down, put on some chairs. People were propping me up and the hype man was born. I had white shade yeah. and it was the alter ego. It was like the Hulk. Came yeah, yeah. And you, you see there's tons of videos and tons of photos of me with that. And that's how it started. So I just kept those glasses up there. And people never realized what that was for. They're like, oh, what is that? It's like a throwback in the 80s. Right. Those are like my blue blockers back in the yeah. day. You know? <laughs> oh, um, yeah. was there ever a moment? Um, what, what's been one of your most uh, challenging moments as a hype man at, at the Warriors at Oracle Arena? Well, the, the most cha- the people don't realize like the hardest part is, is getting people energized about anything mm. when the team wasn't doing too well. Like – Right. Ten of ten of my half of my career has mm-hmm. been I'm put in mildly mm-hmm. bad basketball. Okay, <laughs> yeah. um, we couldn't win for almost two decades, man. Um, I mean, we had flashes of success. We believe two thousand six, two thousand seven. Oh, I remember, man, that was one of the most memorable, probably the most one of my most favorite seasons because we weren't supposed to be in the playoffs, mm-hmm. and but the fans were so hungry. Yeah. And let me tell you what a contrast because before that, getting people juiced up about scoring over a hundred points, free chalupas and tacos, uh, <laughs> you know, just getting people uh, excited about something other than the yeah. game. Uh-huh. How hard that is, and you got to, you know, they're like, "Why would you hype up the Warriors? They're, you know, they're garbage." Man, I heard it from everywhere, and yeah. I said, "Okay, I get it, but you know what? The fans." There's still kids out there. They mm-hmm. still want a great experience. They mm-hmm. want a good timeout experience. This is it. So I took that job wow. very serious. Even if our teams sucked, mm-hmm. like couldn't even win 20, 20 I games. I know. <laughs> you know. But I was the fan voice. I was the, 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 the face of the fans. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to let the fans down. I don't care. You spent a lot of money. We're mm-hmm. going to give you a dang good entertainment product. Not the team, maybe, but we'll give you dunkers. We'll give you a DJ. We'll throw some shirts out there. We'll get you, you know, put your hands in the air, hands up, whatever. That's price. I, I heard that. Um, I was hearing from you um, in a conversation that the Warriors were one of, if not the first team to have this entertainment squad with MC, with a, a, yes. with a DJ. Tell me how that began. Or did it begin, begin prior to you coming in? Or um, add, you started. Yeah, so, so here's a little bit of history. So back when I joined in 2002, mm-hmm. they were starting to create this brand of entertainment, mm-hmm. a show within the show. Mm-hmm. So they called it Great Timeout Entertainment. So it was mm-hmm. all the breaks in between, you know, the bad basketball that we used to have. Yeah. But it was like you had an MC, you had a DJ you would throw to, you had a live band, T-shirt time, prize time you know, all that stuff. So there was an entertainment component that the Warriors realized that, hey, we don't have a good team right here on the floor, but we sure can bring the best of the best entertainment to give them a, give the fans a good experience. So probably the first couple of years, there was probably one MC kind of guy like me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he left to go to Sacramento. And then there was another guy who was kind of a comedian uh, and he became an MC for a season or so. And so there was maybe like a year or two or three. There was like, they were trying out this 
MC, DJ, entertainment thing. They called it Great Time Out Entertainment. Mm. And that's when I came on board and the right timing came and, they, and I took it to the next level and said, we're going to be a, a, a fun uh, product uh, when you walk into the doors. We're going to have a show within a show. Mm. And he's also a hype man too. So we're going to get crowds into it and all that. That's something that maybe the other MCs didn't really do as much, but the more I did, they said, man, this guy's a hype man for the, for the, for the team. So mm. let's use him when we need to. And man, let me tell you history now, like looking back 20 years, like we were the first to do it. Now every team NBA in sports, even, I mean, baseball starting to have it now DJs, MCs, you know, entertainers within the show, because it's more than just a game. Now you got to give fans another perspective right yeah and speaking this is a really good segue that you just talked about also baseball incorporating uh entertainment in between this is you know you right here in your element uh what was that that can you explain this photo and then talk about the giants and your involvement with them as well yeah so this is this is this was a real cool moment and um how crazy is that we got two huge fighters at the time i mean i did i did about six six of these six or seven with pacquiao when he was in the heyday that's how it started yeah it was 2009 uh and and pacquiao was probably the hottest uh, fighter in the world he was the man Mm -hmm. and filipino too which i'm Mm -hmm. so proud of and let me tell you we had a huge event at the giants they brought pacquiao to promote his fight this was a little bit later down the road okay but, um, but he had you know he had these Pacquiao Filipino Heritage Nights that probably oversold more than they ever thought. Uh, we had, I think, almost 14,000, 15,000 people for the, in 2009 for a special pregame event with yeah. world champ Manny Pacquiao. And that's when they called me. The Giants said, hmm, uh, who <laughs> Filipino who could hype up a crowd at a baseball uh-huh. event with a boxer? Well, there's probably only one guy that could probably connect with the people. <laughs> the one and only. And that's what happened. The history was – and then so I've done events with Manny Pacquiao, um, been to his fights, got to play pool with him, bowled with him. Uh, he even played practice at the Warriors practice facility one year too. Like mm-hmm. it was a beautiful moment. So I, these photos, I look back and I'm like, wow. I yeah. had the biggest superstar in boxing literally in the bay area and i got to host all those special events it was was there one um or are there a few celebrities um or or athletes that really had an impact on you like just meeting them and you were just thrilled and maybe didn't know how to compose you weren't composed when you you met them yeah actually it's funny Uh, um well Pacquiao for sure when I first met him because he was the biggest thing on the planet. And they got to say, hey, you're going to introduce Pacquiao to the Giants fans, 15,000 people that bought tickets for this pregame thing. You're going to you're going to play this little game. You're going to hold up his hand. I'm like, what? This like that was a moment that started my career with the Giants special Uh, events and kind of opened up the world. But, but even rewinding back in the day, one of my first jobs uh, when I was with the Warriors is we covered this uh, Lake Tahoe uh, golf celebrity golf classic. I got to interview my childhood idol, Joe Montana. (gasps) And let me tell you, I couldn't believe it. I was just, uh, Oh my gosh. Like he was the coolest guy. He was so quiet. Joe. Yeah, Joe Cool, baby. Gotta love him. And um, oh man, that was intense. And that was even that was a non-Warriors event. It, it was like mm-hmm. a it was a basically a golf tournament event that we covered. And uh I was introducing all these kind of celebrity classic folks uh at the at the party. And then I got to interview Joe uh for five minutes and I was like, oh my gosh. So so yeah, those those are some big time celebrities. Um, you know, uh Pacquiao and uh, but I've met I met and and you know grazed elbows with a ton of them during NBA All Star from like you know Dr J to Larry Bird mm. Kareem Abdul Jabbar Reggie what? Miller uh, the only one that I have not and I one day will who be this guy right here Michael Jordan <laughs> this frame jersey autographed everything that's his rookie jersey right there. Uh, 
I don't think I've ever been in the same room as that guy, but I, other other folks I have, but he's mm. the one guy mm. I have not. So maybe one day I'm cross that off the list. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. There's one celebrity that I know goes pound for pound with you when it comes to hype and energy Who's right that? here. And you met him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what you gonna do? Yeah. When the Hulkster runs wild on you. Yeah, dude. Let he's me the ultimate you. hype man. Dude, he, I probably learned a lot from him. Uh -huh. Rick Flair. I even got photo. I met Rick Flair during that. Yeah, no way. Uh, Jimmy Mouth of the South Heart. I mean, these are my childhood wrestling legends. Uh-huh. Ulster, man, was he cool, dude. Let me just tell you, I freaking loved it. That, that, thank you for reminding me. I forget how many people I've interviewed, but, uh, yeah. Definitely on on the uh, on the high list for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. Oh, thanks for bringing up these. Man. I like that. You're doing your research. I love it, man. Hey, man. You know, it's you're you're, you're a real city ambassador, man. I have to I do my job. It. And because I'm, you know, again, and I'm, I'm not. I was in line. Like when I was putting together this podcast, you know, when I created a list of folks, you know, you were the one of the first folks. I was like, oh, I need to have Franco Finn, you know, because I've seen you at work too, which is so amazing. You know, my job as a, so at Carnival San Francisco, I produce the event. Sometimes I have to be, you know, I have to build up my energy and hype, you know, a crowd. And I always think back to, I was like, man, how does Franco do this? Like, <laughs> I'm tired after two, three minutes, you know? So I always, I always admire you from afar. Cause you know, we don't cross paths very often, but yeah. you know, you do come to mind and, and, and it's I something, you know, there's someone I study, honestly, I'm not lying. I appreciate, um, you know, Carnaval is one of my favorite events. You know, when I was doing things at coffee TV, when I was a, a host there, uh, I did a whole dance party episode with Carnaval and all the dancers. Oh, you mean, oh, you mean this dance party? Yeah, you know <laughs> That was amazing. Let me just tell you, man. I hey, I love I love me uh, all the music, the Latin dance, and everything. You know, I'm married to a Latina myself. Uh, she's Dominicana, so I you Dominicana. know I, we got yeah. the Filipino and the Dominican uh, home here with uh, you know with music and festive and family. You know, so so that was amazing moment um, for me because I I was one of the last hosts actually for this mm -hmm. iconic show called Dance Party. It was you know been around a long time and. Yeah, I was the last host before it switched ownership and stuff. And but the Carnival episode was wild. That man. was wild, and that was the first time. You know, the first time I crossed paths, and I'm like, "Whoa, who is this guy? He's just making it happen." You know, and um, so much fun, man. So much so grace, much bro. You bring a lot of grace to the the craft. Thank you. Know, you. I think for no, me, no. that's that's what really stood out. Um, because even before the camera was on, you know, you were grace. You are you, but I'm saying like you're just you, right? Graceful. The camera goes on. You just Turn it up and on. It's still you. Um, and so I, I, you know, I admire that. So I, I appreciate it. You know, that's what it is. That. It literally is an on and off switch. Um, you know, I have to, you you know, when you know the, the pressure's on, the camera's on, you know, you're rolling tape or whatever, it's like you got to be ready when your moment comes. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. let me tell you, it, it, it's, you know, yes, I do it a lot at the Warriors, but you got to look at every impression as it's your first and mm -hmm. last. What are you going to, you know, what's the lasting impression, the first impression also that you make when they turn on that camera, you look in that red dot, it's on, yeah. you know, your job, and no matter how tired you are, you know, I, I, I've been juggling a full-time job for almost 20 years and doing this for fun. Can you imagine that? And I'm yeah. tired. We, we get tired. We get home. We're like, oh, my day is done. No, my day is not done. <laughs> I put the full eight hours in my full-time and I'm juggling. I'm doing so many side things, side hustles, everything. And then when it's go time, you got to be on because 20,000 fans expect you to turn yeah. it up. That is your That's a big responsibility. It's a lot of responsibility. And so, you know, I never take it lightly. I tell people, man, I said, it, it's not the easiest. Yeah, look, it may look easy. You turn it on, mm -hmm. you get it going, you go like mm -hmm. that. But I guarantee you, people just freeze because mm -hmm. it's just a different element. Like you got to, you know, you got to practice like anything else. You know, my first, first time on camera, I, I look at some videos. It, it, it was pretty cool. It was hyped, but not as, you know, to the level I am now. Of course. But, you know, I had to learn and navigate and find out the ebb and flow strike when it had to strike when it was mm -hmm. hot and mm -hmm. it pull back when it had to and stuff. And so you learn that as a professional. And, Can you tell uh, me how, how some of those skills have translated to this? Oh yeah, that's my 
Mendenhall School of Auctioneering. Yes, I learned from the best of the best in North Carolina. Um, so Did you have to travel to North Carolina to yes, take some courses? I stayed there for three weeks. Wow. It was the most intense boot camp experience uh, that I've ever faced. Uh, basically, I had to learn the craft, the chant, the uh, the business of it, all the different types of auctions from cattle to car. the chant? The chant, yeah. What's it's the, the chant? So the chant is what auctioneers and most people are like, oh, you're a fast talker. He's like, how many dollars on it? Five, five, what a bit, five, what a bit, five, not 10, what a bit, 10, not 15, not 15, not 20. It's like, it's your, it's like a chant. It's a song. It's a, oh. it's, it, you're, you're actually kind of almost hitting notes and you're like rhyming and raising. Like everyone has a different thing, but the wow. South, they do it the best. So I learned from one of the best auction schools in the country. I had to go to the deep South in North Carolina to learn from like, literally the best these people have done cattle car auctions you name it and uh, i'm a benefit auction specialist so i only do charity events but you got to uh -huh. all the different things to understand the business and what an auctioneer does it's a profession that i'm proud of mm -hmm. every night i help raise hundreds of thousands of dollars for youth homeless uh schools churches um you know you name it you know this and that it's the one job I use my gift, my talent as yeah. a man, as an MC, package it together as an auctioneer, and That's I'm making making a difference uh, in in the community. And that so, must be so rewarding. It is, and that really is my passion right now. Look, mm -hmm. I've done a lot. I've covered TV, radio, sports, all that stuff is fun. Yeah. But at the end of the day, as a human being, if you can help another human being using your skill, your craft, like what you do during this Thanksgiving and helping out out of your own time. Cause that, that's what you want to do. And you want to help feed people this and that, man, that you, you can't teach that, that humbleness and that selflessness to anyone. You have to really want to do it and you do it and you use a gift and you do it for good. That's what I've been able to do. I've been turning, I've turned it into a business. Yes. But in the end I have helped so many nonprofits and that, is probably right now I like, you know, the championships are great, but right now I'm being a, yeah. a human, a human being helping humanity. Yeah. And that that's icing on the top for me. There we go. And oh, this is yeah. one of your most recent ones. Um, but can you also tell us about your experience now doing it online, doing it virtually and how you've again, uh, reshaped your craft and adapted to the, the new circumstances. Yes. So that photo right there, was so funny. It was taken right in my backyard during COVID era in 2020. <laughs> but that's the virtual getup, man. I got like a tux on top, shorts and flip-flops on the bottom. And that's my good buddy, Liam Maklem, another great auctioneer here in the Bay. And so together, we were the top two pretty much auctioneers that are changing the game and virtually pivoting. Uh -huh. And so what you see, that outfit is what I would wear at an event. And let me tell you, in April, March, April, and May, when people are like, oh, my gosh, in-person events, we can't do it. How are we going to raise money again? We're going we're gonna to shut down as an organization. I said, no, 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 no. Mm -hmm. We are not going to shut down, folks. I will be your front man. I'll be your hype man auctioneer. Mm -hmm. That's my brand, by the way. I'm not just an auctioneer. I am your hype man auctioneer. There's only yeah, one. Nice, nice. One, and that's me because, honestly, I am a hype man, true and true, sports, TV, radio, blah, blah, blah. But I'm also a professional licensed auctioneer. So together, I'm your hype man auctioneer. And let me tell you, I've been helping a lot of orgs since March, April. Pivot, turn, and make it the most successful fundraisers they've ever had online because you could reach more people to this little tiny camera mm -hmm. than you mm -hmm. ever thought, right? Yeah. More than 300 yeah. people in a, in a ballroom. And you don't have to pay for parking, hotel, all that stuff. So I partnered with a gal uh, named Gina Spot On Productions, and together we're the front and back ends of a virtual event solution for you. And we have a ton of clients now, and we're still going strong. Yeah. Uh, how know? do you, how do you see the two worlds? Um, I mean, how are they different for you? Uh, being an auctioneer and then being in sports and then being yeah. a hype man. Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, there, there are definitely different jobs in a way, right? Because you know, sports, you're hyping up a crowd. You're, you're a product of entertainment and basketball and sports. As an auctioneer, you know, you're, you're, you're raising money, so there's pressure. I have to, I have to raise dollars. I'm judged by how much money I bring in mm. from my virtual broadcasts or my events, 
And so if I don't raise a lot of money for these organizations, they either don't survive or they move on to the next thing and said, wow, this guy didn't really help us bring it. So there's a lot of pressure when you're doing auctions. And let me tell you, uh, the one similarity is that it is me. I am the same guy just yeah. tweaked in a different way. When I'm in a basketball setting, I know I'm going to get the crowd pumped up about the team, timeouts, energy. Let's raise the roof off this place. When I'm in an auction, I'm still a hype man and auctioneer all in one, but I have to raise the roof with the fundraising numbers. Mm-hmm. Different thing. And you have to engage every individual on the other side to say, hey, Rodrigo, I want you to give 500 bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Michelle, Sam, whoever's on the other side, I want you to give 1000 50 I want you to give more money than you ever thought because you connected with this organization. That is more uh, – that's – convincing in a different way yeah you really have to know what you're talking about you got to be heartfelt you got to be genuine and you have to do a lot of research you got to know your audience because every organization has a different audience yes and you think about it so warriors events games you know they're here for basketball they Mm want to win they Mm want high energy scoring yeah auctions man it's a different group you might be doing one for for a kid's organization a, a kid's camp so they're going to be a little bit different. You're going to talk to people who are all about homelessness. That's a different one too, right? Yeah. Uh, there's going to be, um, you know, just, just different kind of, you know, purposes with these organizations. And so you have to really be crafty and you got to be a chameleon ready to go. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the truth. So um, right before we close, I want to share one thing we have in common. I believe it was this year that it happened. Yeah. And I just saw it right now. Okay. This is you. Ah, yes. San Francisco City Hall representing the Pinoy community. Yes. This this was this this year, 2020. This year. And didn't you do something similar too? Ha <laughs> oh, look at my man looking good in there. <laughs> look at this man wearing his traditional in That's my language is guayabera. What do you call it in, in the Philippines? Yes, this is uh this is called the barong. Uh, barong. In, in, in Tagalog, and that's basically a uh, what you see right there is like it's a thin kind of uh, material uh, derived from the islands, you know, super, super hot in the Philippines, but it's a traditional garb for formal events, weddings, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I saw that. I'm like, my brother. Yes. <laughs> We're wearing our barons. <laughs> yes. Okay, so just I got to end it with the same three questions that I asked every person, you know, and, and you know, you can give me maybe more than one if, 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 if you need to, your favorite restaurant, let's say in San Francisco. Favorite or, restaurant, San Francisco. Yeah. I got to oh. say, uh, yeah, San Tung in the sunset, baybe the best wings on the planet. How do you spell that? San? E-N-G. Wow. And I hope I have enough time on my computer because it is about to shut down. <laughs> okay, then we're done. We're almost done. It's rapid fire for real. Uh, San Tung. Battery. Right. Right. 24 second shot clock. No, Perfect. What's your favorite uh, 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 park? Favorite park. The best Golden Gate Park right here. Celebrating 150 years. Nice. And then your favorite street. Favorite street. I got to say Mission in San yeah, Francisco. Michonne. Oh, you got Perfect. to. That's my, that's my old hood, baby. Right there, there. we go. <laughs> that's my, that's, that is my, my heart and soul. That, that, that's where I think cultural and diversity for me started. Oh, that's beautiful. Franco, anything else you want to say before we say hasta luego to all the people? I just want to say these are three simple things, and it's, it's you know maybe cheesy, but I was saying these to these kids back in the day um, mm. when I was a radio personality for Radio Disney. I used to tell the kids, you dream it, you believe it, and you achieve it. Simple math right there. Dream, believe, achieve. And those three words are my motto every day because you got to have a vision to dream it. you got to believe that you can do it. And then you go grab it, you achieve it. And you know what? Your dreams will come true. And so uh, that's what I want to say to everybody out there. Keep inspiring. Keep being who you are. And, 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 and do good. Be a human. Human being. That's beautiful. Franco, thank you, thank you, thank you for being here today. And we'll see everyone next time. We got it. All right. Thank you, my man. Peace. Take care, everybody.